Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's great to have all of you tune us in and turn us on. We've got a great, great lineup for you today. But first, let me say howdy to Benny. Howdy, Benny. Howdy, howdy back. Uh, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing okay. I'm licking my wounds from the weekend. So. Oh, it's horrible. Yep. Really? I Tell me about it. I was there. Saw it all happen. Even, I know. <laughs> I, I think I saw you in the crowd. Oh, my actually. goodness. No, I wasn't at the game, but I felt it. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. Uh, I'm not yeah. talking. I'm not talking about the Seahawks. That's fine. They do their own thing every. Year. It's the. Yeah. Coo- it's my Cougs. It's the Cougs. They blew it. Absolutely. Yeah. And and it's a term that's been coined, and you could look it up. They cooged it. They did coog they it. They did. What uh, happened? I thought I was over it, but now I'm not. It's the it's worst. No, it. you're not. A, it's hard <laughs> to get over things like that, yeah, right? It's okay. Well, we yeah, they got some work to do for this next week. So we're good. We're fine. I'm over it. Let's move. Move forward. <laughs> Optimist. Let's move on. Yeah. And actually, we're actually moving into new space. Mm-hmm. That's like a big move. I right? Think so. Yeah. It, it is. It's like we've been looking for space. How long have we been talking about this? Like for six months. And my friend said, astrologically, we weren't going to. I mean, I don't know much about astrology at all. I mean, I bear, you know, right. And so, but my friend said, yeah, you had to wait till blah, 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 blah. And I just looked at her and I said, no, I had to wait for the price to be right, the location to be perfect, and uh, getting exactly what we need to build what we need to build. And that's what it was. So we did that. But, you know, part of this is how do we go about, Benny, asking, getting guidance? How do we go about any of that? Really? How do we do that? Um, but, you know, I'm not going to answer that question because I have somebody here, the author of The Forever Angels, Near-Death Experiences in Childhood and Their Lifelong Impact, uh, PMH Atwater, Dr. Atwater, joining me here today. And not only are we going to talk about this, but we're going to talk about the research around this. Um, what is it that does happen? What happens? And when it does happen? When we have these experiences, does it change us and how so? You know, what is it about our lives that we seem to think, and some people may not even remember, literally remember being touched by an angel. My very special guest today is a distinguished researcher of near-death experiences, prayer chaplain, spiritual counselor, visionary. Uh, She's the author of 18 books, so she has been on the show before. Uh, And this particular book is a major study 
of near-death experiences in newly born babies, toddlers, and children up to age five. But what is it about their information, the, the information is reinforced, what is it about that that clearly points to a new age of consciousness? Uh, Dr. Atwater, great to have you. Well, it's wonderful to be here. Us researchers have to stick together. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, I mentioned for a minute, you're the author of a lot of books. Yeah. And so, but that doesn't really talk to what your passion and purpose is all about. I want to ask you, here you are, the aftermath of writing this book. I would like to know, this just curious, how this book, perhaps unlike others, changed you? Well, it surprised me. There you, you know, go. I've, I've been doing this for 43 years. This is, this is my job. I was told to do this work in my third near-death experience. Yes, I had. I had three near-death experiences within three months in 1977. I look back at it, and I call it the, the heavenly sledgehammer effect. <laughs> kind of turned me around. But I was told to do this research, and being a cop's kid raised in, the, in a police station, I used police investigative techniques as my protocol. So, so I've just sort of naturally flowed into that, and I've been doing it ever since. Uh, but, but this one on children, you know, I, I did my first work with children in the 80s and 90s. And that book was The New Children and Near-Death Experiences. And I was starting to find things with youngsters that I didn't find with adult experiencers. Hmm. And I found it to be very curious. You know, it, it's the same pattern of experiences, the same pattern of the after effects, but uh, um, they handle them very different, very different. And it tends to come out different as well. And mm -hmm. the younger the child, the more, the more dramatically different. And so I was sort of yelling to all the other researchers in the world, anybody who'd listen to me, saying, you know, you who everybody out there, I found this and this and this and this. And this seems kind of different and maybe a little strange to me. Uh, how about some of the rest of you doing this kind of work? And, um, yes, we have other books out there about children, but none of them, none of them uh, um, dealt that much with the pattern of after effects. Yes, a little bit, but they didn't dig deep. And so I've waited years and years, still nobody's doing it. So I decided, okay, had enough. So about three years ago, I... Um, I did it again, only this uh -huh. time I did it different. Mm. You know, with my first batch, it was, um, you know, people who'd had their near-death experience, yes, in childhood, um, but I was talking with those from kindergarten age on up to the, you know, the early and middle 20s, so forward-looking. This time... Um, I, I, I sought out people in their 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s who could verify 
having had a near-death experience between birth, babies, toddlers, kids up to the age of five. I specifically wanted the youngest of the young. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when I when I got that bunch, I uh, you know I asked one question really. Um, did having a near death experience at those tender ages make any difference in your life? If it did, tell me about it. So in essence, I was asking for a, a, um, an essay, um, but I went back several times, of course talk to them, ask questions, um, you know, filtered through it as much as I could. But, you know, I was basically seeking more mature individuals looking backward. So this book, The Forever Angels, gives you the, both the forward look and the backward look, because I was able to go back to the original book, The New Children and Near Death Experiences, and use most of that material in this one. And it fit, it fit right in. So but, we're able to look both directions in this book. You know, I love what you're sharing because I, I wasn't joking about us researchers having to stick together. Um, and the reason I say that is, you, you know, some things we study, you can get a good result with empirical fill out the survey. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, you know, fill out the survey. Uh Right. Do you on a scale of one to 10, do you like apples? Right. But then there comes a part where you have to ask people the question. And have them tell you the story. And have them say it in their words, because what you're able to capture is, if I might say, you're capturing the words that the average person could read and say, oh, that, you haven't achieved some holy reward, that. And, or this isn't a me thing. And so what I love about what you've done here is you're putting things in place for us to talk about the outcome of a life that has been touched by this experience, right. correct? Right. Because, uh, yes, you want correct. the... Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. But even so, bear in mind, I'm yeah. a pop's kid. Right. So, so my dad would always say the body says more than the mouth does. Mm. So you're being very, very careful about words. You, you can't use a computerized yeah. whatever. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can never use a word in advance of the individual. If you do, you bias your work. Yeah. So therefore, you're always watching the individual, listening to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and always, whenever I could, I'd get into the homes. I'd talk to the, you know, um, the spouses, the children, the neighbors, the healthcare givers, wh- whoever. Uh, because I wanted always to see it from many, many angles. Never just researcher and the experiencer. I always wanted to see it from as many angles as I could. As I could. That was my first batch. Then the second batch, I wanted that other view from the mature experiencer looking back. And uh, I'll tell you, whoo. 
I yeah. uh, really surprised. Well, I think one of the things too that we're we're you know that you bring out in your book that I think we don't talk about enough is how someone's life is profoundly changed. I think one of the words that that or the, some of the words you picked up was wisdom beyond their years. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, what is it about this wisdom beyond their years? What is this? about a life that gets touched, touched by near-death experiences. And as we see so often, especially in our pop culture on television shows, could the road be rocky for folks? Let's take a short break when we're back. When we come back, we'll talk to Dr. Atwater about the Forever Angels, near-death experiences in childhood and and their lifelong impact. Any of you out there that have had such an experience and want to chime in and give us a call, 1-800-930-2819. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Sometimes being human has its challenges. Our physical health falters, our spirits sag, our dreams don't immediately come to fruition. Welcome to the power of Maximum Medicine Radio. Join me, Doc Martin, in conversations that will blow your mind about healing. In our hit show, Doc Martin addresses the scientific with bridging to the mystical approaches to give you a new narrative about Maximum Medicine. In this live call-in show, we will journey into the extraordinary genius of the human body and talk about other beliefs that impact being your multidimensional self. We seek the seen and the unseen and explore the earthbound and the otherworldly all with the purpose of calling forth the Maximum You. To learn more about Doc Martin and Maximum Medicine, visit www.SharonMartinMD.com. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show, talk radio to thrive by. I am so thrilled to be talking to all of you. We have got talk radio for all of us. Are you ready and willing and able to accept all of the abundance you can muster up in your life? Check us out at drpatcho.com, transformationtalkradio.com, transformationradio.fm. Oh, my goodness. Healing has a ripple effect. One person's healing affects everyone around them. This is where the power of sharing our stories can be so important. Tune in to Playing on the Edge Radio with Megan Edge each month on Transformation Talk Radio as Megan provides you with ways of sustaining radical and powerful changes in your life. Enact the power of radical change. To find out more about Megan Edge, visit her website at meganedge.ca. Are you done being afraid to jump into the life that's waiting for you? Are you ready for a real shift? I invite you to tune in every Tuesday with me, Tracy L, on the Tracy L. Clark Show, where we will teach you how to live your extraordinary life. At 8 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio, where I will provide the tools and the steps needed to help you transcend perceived limitations and move forward with an extraordinary life. For more information, visit me at TracyLClark.com. 
The knowledge book currently studied in 39 countries and 15 languages around the world accelerates our evolution, takes us out of depression, offers universal truth, protects us, and makes us stronger, both spiritually and physically. So if you are interested in the knowledge book, visit usa.thenowledgebook.net and tune in to the Knowledge Book Radio with Marge Potasik on TransformationTalkRadio.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back. So great to have everybody tuning us in and turning us on. We had a rocking week this week for everybody out there. One of the things that you all have heard me talk about was, you know, different points of time, what communication looks like. But beyond communication with the other side, what happens when you cross a threshold? that threshold we call near-death experiences. And what Dr. Atwater has done in her book, The Forever Angels, is really talked about, you know, what is that experience like? And and she did this, of course, by research. Uh, Dr. Atwater, before we go to the phones, um, I do want to make sure we give out your website and tell folks a little bit about how they can find out more. My website is www pmhatwater.com. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, um, just one word, all lowercase, pmhatwater.com. I, <clears throat> my voice. Uh, anyway. Go ahead, PMH. You can clear it out. Pat can stall for just a quick second. Yeah, I will. Cool. Yeah, uh, it's pmhatwater.com. And by the way, you can get a free, free newsletter from there. Uh, Dr. Atwater also has a marketplace on the website. Uh, where anybody that's had a near-death experience or something like it uh, can get out there and look at the business aspect of that. She's really quite open to helping folks. Um, And then please go ahead and do that. Also, if anybody is interested, if you want... um, you know, if you want to find out more about what it means, investigations, and what it means to you, please give her a shout, pmhatwater.com, for those of you out there. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, Benny, we have a caller. Yes, ma'am. Why don't we go to the phones? All right, Charlene from Canada. Hey, Charlene. Hey, Charlene. Hi, good morning, ladies. Good morning. <laughs> yeah, what, 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 do you, what do you got for us? Well, when I was three years old, I almost died of meningitis. I um, I actually, when, like, I can remember everything from the time I was three years old on. Yeah, yeah. Ever since that, ever, ever since that experience. So, oh, okay. Um, and, and a lot of people can't remember things, but I can remember them right down to a T. Wow. And um, I've always had known that we have an inner light that radiates outward into the world. And I've, I feel... I'm a feeling person. I'm very sensitive. Um, I have been ever since I've been three years old. And uh, I am, I'm surrounded by orbs. Uh, constantly um, golden, golden light, constantly. I can take photographs of orbs, uh, just phenomenal uh, spiritual connection. And... I just feel like we're constantly watched over. Like, um, 
I have an inner knowing, an inner communication that I can't put into words. It's just when I listen to my higher guidance, the celestial realm, magnificent things happen in my life. Hmm. When I go against that inner guidance, then I can create destruction, right? So there's a duality in this world, but there's so much love all around us. And I know that we live in a loving universe. We really do. And uh, when we follow our inner guidance and uh, our angels and guides, when we connect to our higher wisdom, we're totally protected. I, I feel it. Doctor Atmore, yeah, I'm I'm listening here. Um, It's an inner feeling, like I just know, like when I when I see certain orbs, like certain colors, um, I know which angel I'm connecting with. It's just it's just a knowing. I I don't know how I know. Sometimes, and I'm constantly learning and and connecting with other people all over the world with this, and it's an amazing it's it's an amazing thing. I don't think your childhood and schoolhood was that easy, was it? It was very, um, it was hard. Yeah. It, it was, you know, I had a lot There's of hard knocks. There's the rest knocks. of the story. Yes. Yeah. A lot of, I had a lot of hard knocks to get to where right. I'm at in my life now. A lot yeah. of hard knocks. But um, I kept getting back up because I feel a connection to the divinity that, us. That's and pretty typical. So, yeah. yeah, I just feel so connected. You've got that to the pattern. Divine. You've got the markers there. You ought to get the book. <laughs> It'll be like your story. I would love the book. All yeah, right. I'm, the I'm Forever Angels. A, I'm going to give you a copy of the book because we are going to give one copy away. So stay on the line so Benny can get your information. Aww. I'll give you a copy oh, of the book. Hi. Thank you, ladies. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Doctor uh, Pat. Let me ask you one question. You said you're connecting with people all over the world or people that have had similar experiences. Is your mm-hmm. sense they they are different in their life experiences or do you find more similarities than not? Are you talking to me? Um, they're, they're, Charlene. Yeah. Uh, you know what? There are similarities and there are differences. Like there, there are, there's, there you can you can find patterns but sometimes not it just it just all depends but a lot of them are you know we try to connect with like-minded people is what we try to do in life because a lot of times we're taught that's not possible that's impossible and yet i'm possible right and i've always had an open heart and open mind but I think when you get those hard knocks and you get told that's silly or, you know, um, you know, sort of uh, punished for your gifts and, and your, your abilities, um, you, you uh, put yourself in a closet. And so when you get older, you start seeking out like-minded people, people that have experienced the same things that you have, in order that you can grow into your, your own unique powers and your own unique talents. I think that's what it is. It's a connection that we all need. Mm. You know how people, like, they'll say, I've seen a UFO, or I've, you know, 
I had an encounter with an angel, and there's so so much skepticism yet still in the world, depending on the level of the consciousness that you're connecting with. So you have to try to not take things personally, but yet step into your power and acknowledge your what you've experienced, because that's what we're here to do is experience things. Did you have any problems with uh, uh, um, um, the desire, maybe, to either commit suicide or the idea that you wanted you uh, you wanted to get back to the other side? Huh. Did I have an idea like that? that yeah. I, yeah. That I have, yeah. No, no. But I have lost people to suicide. Actually, just lost mm-hmm. one recently, and um, especially when you were young. Did you want when to go I was back young, really bad? Uh, my mother tried to commit suicide. Mm-hmm. Yes, she did. And uh, I was privy to all of that, and that was around the time. It was it, it was around that time, right? So, and mm-hmm. I was the one that helped my mother cross over. Into, mm-hmm. I was the one that nursed her for two and a half years with cancer. So she called mm-hmm. upon me out of five children to come nurse her. So, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, there's, like, I do know, like, I knew that I I can see, like, I can communicate. I have all of the gifts. It's just I need that connection with other people that have that experience, not all the same things, but experience mm-hmm. some of the things that I have experienced because, Anything is possible because we are infinite intelligence. We're all consciousness. Everything's possible. We're living in a beautiful realm of infinite possibility. But not everybody sees it. And that's yeah. okay, too. That's okay. But it's just, I like, I love connecting with people that have open hearts and open minds. Yeah. Because I think we're all angels to each other anyways at different times in our life, yeah. whether we realize it or not. We're all mm-hmm. earth angels. Wow. Wow. Thank you so very, very much. Thank you for calling in. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank, thank you, you. Thank Pat. you. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. Mm. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. For Bye. Yes, thank you. Very, hey, everybody, very typical. Very typ- yeah. typical, Dr. Pat. Well, let's take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about it and talk about your book and what it is you have discovered. You know, what is it about these experiences, you know, that has to do with how folks live their lives? What does it all mean when we bring it together? Let's take a short break. We're here with Dr. Atwater. We'll be right back. Tune in to The Truth is Funny with Colette Steffen each Wednesday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This hit show will have you thinking outside the box and riding the wave of infinite potential. Join Colette on the Higher Self Network, inspiring listeners to shine their brilliance and ensure success while roaring with laughter as they recognize the humor of the giant cosmic joke. Visit TheTruthIsFunny.com. We remember a time when you could simply form a thought and it would manifest. The harmony was forgotten, but it is returning now. 
The Power of Inspiration and Awakening Radio with Juliet Griffin on TransformationTalkRadio.com each second and fourth Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific. We'll take you on adventures through the heart and spirit exploring who we once were. This intuitive healer studied under the guidance of wolves, learning from their wisdom to master a higher frequency for a new state of mind. Visit OneTrueSelf.com. Right now, ask yourself, how far are you from your dream? Are you closer today than yesterday? Entrepreneur and personal coach Deborah Rothschild brings the wit and wisdom to transform you into a new dynamic you. Tune in to the Deborah Rothschild Show, developing a dynamic you. To learn more about Deborah, visit thedebrashow.com. That's the D-E-B-R-A show.com. Tune in live every Wednesday, 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on transformationtalkradio.com. Do you want the knowledge and wisdom to understand where spirituality, science, and psychology intersect? Then join the Karmic Path Radio Show with Tina and Laura on TransformationTalkRadio.com, Thursdays at 4 p.m. Pacific. Follow this charmingly, disarmingly dynamic duo as they explore how psychic ability, spirituality, and karmic law tie together. For more information on Tina, Laura, and their groundbreaking work, visit TheKarmicPath.com. Tune in to Lucid Planet Radio with Dr. Kelly Neff. This hit show will illuminate your senses and empower you beyond your daily stressors and hardships. Renowned psychologist and author Dr. Kelly will captivate you with far-reaching topics and amazing guests as you wake to the greatest version of yourself. Learn to tap into your intuitions, think critically about our world, heal emotional and psychological wounds, and follow your passions to live your dreams. The Lucid Planet. Welcome home. Visit lucidplanetradio.com for more information. What is a brilliant culture, and how do we create them? Why are they important? Claudette Rowley has created a breakthrough five-step process to help you align your culture with your business strategy for exceptional results. Looking for a culture that drives organizational excellence? Listen to Cultural Brilliance Radio, the second and fourth Friday of each month at 10 a.m. Pacific and 1 p.m. Eastern on Transformation Talk Radio. To learn more or work with Claudette, visit culturalbrilliance.com. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back. Um to the Dr. Pat show right here on Transformation Talk Radio. The Forever Angels is the uh, is the, the latest book from uh, PMH Atwater, Dr. Atwater, uh, who has basically spent her life in researching and bringing information and insight, insightfulness and, and wisdom in a sense forward, but doing it in such a way that it's so relatable for those of us. It really does... You know, Dr. Atwater's work fills in a lot of the gaps. Uh, for more information, you know, for those of you out there that want to find out more, it's very simple. It's pmhatwater.com, pmhatwater.com. Dr. Atwater, where can they get a copy of the book? Anywhere, Amazon.com, any bookstore, off my website, anywhere they want to. All right. All right. Let's let's dig a little bit deeper into some of the things that you discovered in in taking this research on. And I think earlier in the show, you were t- you were talking about surprise. Right. Um, but there are certain other characteristics that you discovered about folks. Right. So one of the things oh, I lots was of reading. Them. Lots yeah. of them. OK. Well, give us a, we, give us a 90%. view. We've got 90 percent. Yeah. That do not bond with their parents. That's huge. That mm. doesn't mean they don't love them. They don't bond with them. They bond with the other side. 
82 uh, percent had really difficult family situations. Um, those that had a near-death experience between birth and the age of five are different than any other child, even from any other child in that same family. Their mind works different. They're completely different. Um, empathic, 84%. Highly intelligent, 75%. You know, this business of intelligence, it's just remarkable. Um, yeah, even, um, l l let me just put it this way. I really think that when the power punch, and that's what I call a near-death experience, mm -hmm. hits someone who's really, really little, then it's hitting at a time when the basic brain and neural functioning is being laid in the brain. So that these youngsters, a lot of them, don't have a before. There's just no before, so they don't have anything to compare anything with. So this experience is 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 literal, literally turning them around in ways that are absolutely striking. Um, l let me give you some of this in intelligence stuff. It's just going to sure. blow your mind. Um, uh, genius level. These are children when they're old enough. For a standard IQ test, they are scoring 150 to 160, 48 uh, uh, percent, most of them. Then if they're under six, it's 81 percent. But get this, from birth to fi 15 months, if they had a black light experience instead of a white light experience, uh -huh. it is, it, uh, they're scoring 180, well, for some reason I can't talk, sorry, 180, <laughs> <laughs> and all of them did, 180 and above. The younger the child, the greater the jump in intelligence. They're getting learning reversals. That is to say, they are going to the first grade, let, let's say, for instance, um, and they're, um, they're abstracting. Let me give you an example. There's this little boy in Georgia. He drowns during uh, first grade, so uh, halfway through first grade. So he's back in school now. What are children reading in the first grade? See, spot, run, Dick and Jane. This boy is reading Greek mythology, understands it, and goes up to his teacher and says, why was the book Robinson Crusoe ever written? Well, she had to jerk him out of class. This happens again and again and again. These children, these children, for the most part, know more than their parents. They know more than their teacher. They know more than the school, the school kids. They're lost in school. Actually, they're bored out of their tree in the school. Um... And many of them have synesthesia. Mm -hmm. that, uh, that's an elaboration in the limbic system in the brain, the sensory system. So they're taking on multiple or blended senses. Again, let me give you an example. 
Yeah, please. Um, I'm going to be talking about myself here. I was born uh-huh. with synesthesia. Um, no, I didn't have a near-death experience as a kid. I was just born with synesthesia. So, uh, so in the first grade, I was the only child in school who could smell color, see music, hear numbers. And, and of course, <laughs> everybody thought I was lying. I spent most of the first grade sitting on a tall stool in front of the class uh, wearing a tall conical hat that said dunce on it as a bad child who told lies. My mother was, uh, my mother was called in twice by the principal. He wanted to kick me out of school. Uh, by the end of the first grade, um, I'd reached a point where I, you know, I just decided adults are, are, are very, very strange. Uh, I'm just not going to pay any attention to adults anymore. <laughs> so after the first grade, I, be- I became highly independent because I knew I couldn't trust adults. Mm-hmm. I was telling the r- truth. They were not. And, uh, you know, this business of, of synesthesia, it's a big one. So one of the things I think we don't understand, and you talk about so brilliantly in the book, especially on younger children that have near-death experiences, um, I, in what do you what sense what what do you make of when I said there is a gap? And let me explain what I mean by saying there's a gap. There's a gap between the child's ability to explain what's going on and the parents. Uh, complete lack of knowledge of the fact that anything might be going on. Do you see what I'm talking about? Especially right. if child's as young as you're talking about. And often they're called liars. Yes. Or they're ignored. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yeah, and, and many of these kids were born awake and aware. Mm-hmm. You've got a little baby here who knows who you are, who knows why they're there, who knows what's going on, who knows about the doctor and the nurse? They're born awake and aware. So as this child begins to age a little bit, then that can pro- cause all kinds of problems in the home. Uh, in this one home, the father was so amazed at his young daughter's intelligence that he decided he was going to call all of the different uh, networks, and get her on television. He was going to make a lot of money with his intelligent child. And she, it, you know, it scared her. Uh, so she quit doing it. She quit talking to him. She quit answering his questions. I want to ask you a, a couple of things, because, you know, when I was reading the book, um, I was really struck by a number of different things. But most importantly... There's a couple of things I was struck by in terms of impact. One of them was, you, you know, what happens to these kids? Can we identify a pattern? So, for example, one of the things I was reading, and I don't remember where it is, but there's this notion that, you know, some of these children and now adults are fascinated by science fiction, right? Uh, really fascinated by you know, what's going on that is unexplainable out in the world. Uh, well, any, others, any form of science. Any form of science. Oh, any form of science. Any, yeah, I missed that. Math, yeah. science, and history, 93% love it. Mm-hmm. Can't get enough of it. 
but professionally employed as an adult in those fields, only 25% mm-hmm. were losing them. Yeah, but also, isn't there a pattern uh, that you talk about in the book? A lot of times these kids are out of the house at a very young age, either on their own or they get booted out, but they're out of the, out. They're, you know. Yeah. Yeah, they're gone because there's something about their experience that A, nobody really understands it, and B, nobody's connecting the dots here, Dr. Atwater. Right. They're not connecting the dots at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go through really challenging times as a child. Most of them do. Most of them go through really challenging times. Uh, an adult near-death experiencer uh, can integrate their exper- experience within 7 to 10 years. A child, it takes 20 to 40 years. They compensate. They don't integrate. It takes mm. a long, long time for them to integrate. Because they're oh. always compensating. Tell me they're more about to the fit compensation. In and they can't fit in. That's what I was going to ask you about. Let's talk about what compensate means, because I that that's really the point that I think I want to make to everybody listening here. Because first of all, you know, we have to recognize when we are in the presence of adults that have gone through this and even children that have gone through this. But let's talk about the compensation part of this, if we could. Because in your book, and it's all throughout the book, it isn't just in one section, but right. all throughout the book, there are examples of this, let's just call it compensation, what people are doing to compensate for perhaps feeling different, for perhaps thinking well, they, different, but mostly yeah. for experiencing well, life. they try to fit in, and they don't yeah. fit. No. And that leads to PTSD. SD. Yes. Yep. Um, and it, uh, it, it leads to uh, suicide proneness. Uh, in my first study, I got a 21% suicide prone rate. And that's, that's what concerned me. Or suicide ideation. And that concerned me uh, for anybody else, you know, help me, help me here. Well, nobody else stepped forward. So mm-hmm. this time, I ran after the older people looking back, I've got a 74% suicide ideation rate. Um, the older the individual, the more they want to get back to the other side. Yeah, I want to talk about this. I'm going to skip the break because I, I, I believe me, this is so important, especially in the world we live in where we're seeing the rise of suicide uh, in unfathomable terms, right? Right. But but let's talk about this because well, I do. Suicide I do want to talk ideology, about it. ideology. Let's talk about it. We're not saying these are people that actually take their lives. Talk about what you mean. It's really that they're toying they with the idea to. of they it. They desire very comfortable. to. They yeah. may go through a lot of uh, emo- emotional events because mm-hmm. they just don't want to be here. Yeah, uh, I think we need to to recognize here. A child does not look at suicide like an adult does. They have no concept of hurting their family or causing anybody anybody any grief. Their logic is quite different. When, When they were not breathing, they were in this beautiful place with all these loving people. Now that they're not breathing again, that beautiful place and the loving people are gone. 
mm-hmm. you know, aha, the way to get back to that beautiful place is to stop their breathing. And that's what many of them do or dream of doing or want to do. They want to get back to that other side. Um, it, it, it's not a, it's not a sense of grief so much. It, it, they just want to get back there. Mm-hmm. And, and that, you know, um, that's their desire. That, that's their preference. So in that chapter I have in the book on PTSD... Yeah, I read um, that. You know, I point by point, but what differs is they're homesick. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not grief-based. Ba- it's homesick-based. Yeah, yeah. I want to ask you, though, there's, a, there's another side effect, and that's my language, a side effect. And let me tell you what I mean by that is, and, 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 and if you could please explain this. So... As you know, in the world of psychology, you know, poking around, doing studies, what are people afraid of? Death, dying, right? I'm just saying that's one thing. It's not the only thing. But let's say that. If you've had a near-death experience the way you described, you take that out of the equation. You take out of the equation the notion of, oh, I'm afraid of death dying. Do you or do you not? I mean, what did you find? No, they're not afraid of dying. Right. Not at all. They're afraid of living. Yeah. Do Do you find that because of that, they're open to taking more risk in life, to really going for it, so to speak? Uh, well, how do I put this into words? Mm-hmm. The, the emotions are very, very different. Mm-hmm. Most of these kids come back still part of the other side. Mm-hmm. And and th- throughout their lives, most of them, now not all of them, certainly in, in the book, you've got some of them remembering past lives and reincarnation. Most of them are not interested in that. Most of them are not interested in um, life after life. They're not interested in life after death. They're not interested in love and light, what so many of them talk about, especially adults. Most of them don't even like being around adults and will not attend um, near-death conferences and near-death groups. No. They know that they are a part of a stream of consciousness that goes on and on and on and on. Might take a dip once in a while. That's a life. Mm -hmm but comes right back up again, might take another little dip, comes right back up again. It's that stream of consciousness. It's, a, it's that life continuum that they bond to, not um, you and me, males and females, mm-hmm. bodies, cars, jobs. You know, they know that they are part of this. They're part of the earth, earth plane. They're here. Some of them are here to do certain jobs, but they still prefer and, and they still are very much a part of that life continuum. So they, they think differently than the average adult does. 
Yeah. Uh, I have a question that came in from one of our listeners. Uh, and, and here's what it is. Uh, it's from Mary Beth, Mary Beth in, I think, NC, North Carolina. Hi, Mary Beth. Thank you for your question. Uh, Mary Beth is asking the following question. She says, hey, this is very interesting. I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty much going to get the book. But I have a question. How does Dr. Atwater define near death? Good question. <laughs> well, like anybody else in the field. You know, I'm one of the original pioneers in the field. Yeah, yeah. So we define near death as a, as a person who, uh, who, is, who died physically. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about uh, brain waves, heartbeat, breath or nearly died. Mm-hmm. So you can nearly die or die. So you're mm-hmm. very close to death. So a lot of these cases with children then come from abuse issues, drownings, birth difficulties, high fever, uh, various kinds of emergencies. Um, so that's where these come from. Near death means... Um, you may or may not have been completely dead mm-hmm. um, by um, medical standards. But um, you almost were, you nearly were, or uh, sometimes people have a fear of death. That is to say um, something is about to happen to them, and it looks like, whoo, it happened, and they're scared out of their t- tree. And then the next thing you know, it's an out-of-body experience or uh-huh. uh, they're elsewhere, um, that kind of thing. Uh, look, let me give you an example. This is um, th- this happened in, in Seattle, Washington. Or, excuse uh-huh. me, Portland. It happened in Portland, Portland, Oregon. It was um, late October, uh, the dark of the moon. Um, the guy would, this is an adult case, the, the fellow... Uh, uh, was outside of the city. He was um, nearly midnight. He was dri- driving too fast for the road conditions because there was a little bit of a rain and then a sudden drop in the temperature. So you had black ice. So he's driving too fast for black ice. And he, of course, crashes into a great big, huge tree. His words, he floated up to the top of the tree, looked down, and saw the twisted wreckage, wreckage um, and he saw that his right arm had been pulled from his body, mm. and he was bleeding heavily, and he wanted to save his body. That was his choice. He wanted to save his body. He looked around, and there was no houses nearby, but on a ridge up above, there was a house with a light on in the upper or right-hand corner of the house. So he said he floated over there. Now, mm, yeah, but he said he floated over there. And he, he said he was jumping up and down outside of the window, um, yelling at the guy inside because he saw a man inside. And he mm-hmm. said, call the police, there's been an accident. Call the police, there's been an accident. And the fellow inside heard him and looked out the window, and he just said the fog was jumping up and down. And he said, fog doesn't jump up and down. <laughs> so he grabbed a flashlight, went down, uh, you know, called the police, grabbed a flashlight, went downstairs, 
uh, outside. He's looking for the accident scene. He finds it. He's there, you know, to to flash down uh, the police and the EMT crews and all of the, uh, that. Um, they could not reattach his arm. He was a, an artist. He was right-handed. So they could not reattach the arm, unfor- wow. unfortunately. Um, and then he was blinded by this, um, th- the whole thing. Uh, he was in the hospital for several months. Finally, his sight came back. The first thing he asked for was paper and pencil or pen. He was going uh, to draw a picture of the accident scene. He did with a left hand. Then they called in the, uh, the policeman. They called in the guy in the house. They all looked at that picture, and they all said it was as if a photograph of the actual scene. Wow. Um, wow. This, this wow. is the kind of thing we run into all the time. Yeah. Common. And, of course, with children, especially abuse issues and rape issues. Uh, we've got Alma in the book. Uh, she was raped uh, um, from two years old on by a family friend. Finally, her mother um, caught it and got rid of the family friend. Well, all of this time, Alma was leaving her body, and she, she's viewing what's happening from the, from the ceiling on down. You find this often, often, often with children. They will leave their body, and, and they're protecting, you see. They're protecting their soul. They're, they're protecting their spirit. They're protecting their consciousness because that's up above. I want everybody to know that leaving a body for a child in trouble is not a psychic ability. It is a defense mechanism. This is how they save their intelligence, their mind, their soul. And, uh, you know, from whatever is happening uh, to their body, this is how they save themselves. They leave the body. Thank you. Dr. Atwater, thank you for a fabulous, fabulous show today. For those of you out there, please go ahead and get a copy of the book, The Forever Angels. Thank you. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call. 